Hey, Benita, why are you hiding behind those bushes? No one's supposed to see me. Playing hide and seek with you, sheep? No, I'm running away. I lost one of my uncle's sheep, and I can't face him. Don't tell anyone you saw me until I'm gone. I'll be living in the city. There's a better life for me there. Now go away. This conversation just may have happened, although not in English, over a hundred years ago in Mexico, which was fighting for freedom from Spain. Little Benito, who ran away from home, would become an important part of Mexico's story, helping to keep it free from foreigners ruling over it. Did he get to the city safely? Did he ever have to run away for his life again? Stay tuned to find out. Hola, soy tu anfitrión, Heidi Ilian. Y este podcast se llama Brilliant Mornings. Oh wait, are we back in the United States? <clears throat> I'm your host Heidi Ilian, and this is Brilliant Mornings. Join us as we ignite a passion for history and learn from the great minds of the past. This season we explore holidays celebrated in the United States, uncovering the lesser known stories of the people behind them. We focus on the poetry and narratives, written or oral, behind the great men and women of the world's many beautiful cultures. So why is it that Americans love celebrating Cinco de Mayo or May 5th? Is it the tacos? The music? Do we even know what happened on this day? I'll give you three guesses. One, a giant taco landed on the moon. Two, a tiny group of Mexican soldiers beat the most powerful army in the world. Three, Mexico became its own country. Hmm... Any guesses? Today we join a familiar group of children on their trip to Mexico to discover what actually happened on this day. Ah, Mexico, a land of beautiful beaches with teal-colored water, lively music with rhythms that just make you want to dance, a rich culture, complex history, and beloved traditions of faith. The Mexican Republic is just south of the United States, sharing a border with Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. Almost 17 million of the 150 million Mexicans are descendants of the indigenous peoples who discovered the land first many thousands of years ago. The Aztecs and Mayans, the Olmecs and Zapotec, are all examples of indigenous people who developed magnificent civilizations in the land that became Mexico. Today, about one-fifth of Mexico's population is of Spanish descent, but the majority of Mexicans are a mix of European and the indigenous peoples. Ancient customs of the indigenous are combined today with the Catholic customs from Spain. For example, Mexicans celebrate El Dia de los Muertos, which means the Day of the Dead, which combines the ancient Aztec tradition of celebrating the dead with a Catholic tradition of praying for the souls of loved ones who have passed away. Now, before you get too depressed by this day, keep in mind that it's filled with parades and candles and decorations of skeletons, kind of like Halloween. Semana Santa, or Holy Week, includes events which tell the story of Jesus leading up to Easter. It's very important to Mexicans and comes from the strong Catholic faith that many hold. With thousands of years of practice in cooking local staples, Mexico is famous for its delicious cuisine. It boasts boldness of spices, colors, and creativity. I'm just going to call Mexican chefs the corn magicians. The indigenous Mexicans learned how to grow corn on farms thousands of years ago, 
and they delight the world with unlimited delicious ways to use corn flour in cooking. My friend Mr. Gonzalez is here with his wife to teach us about Mexico. Mr. Gonzalez, can you tell us about the process of making dough out of corn? We Mexicans are very meticulous about how we make our corn tortillas. First, we take the kernels of the cup. Then we put it to boil with a little bit of limestone. This produces something called nixtamal. Next, we mill the nixtamal into dough. Then, with the dough, we are able to make our tortillas. Mrs. Gonzalez always helps me to remember the names for different ways to prepare dishes with masa, corn dough. If you take the masa dough, then press it into circles and heat it, voila. Now you have corn tortillas. So you can also take the corn flour dough, flatten it, or mold it into a cup-like shape that resembles a boat and deep fry it. These are chalupas. And you can cover that chalupa with chicken, pork, onion, chipotle pepper, red or green salsa. Don't confuse chalupas with tostadas. Ah, tostadas are tortillas that are deep fried or toasted and perhaps covered in pasty beans or cream before adding other toppings. Many people like to eat them with seafood like shrimp. In the Oaxaca region of Mexico, chefs make humongous tostadas the size of a pizza. Tlayuda tostada. They cover their pizza in refried beans, cheese, meat, avocados, sometimes even grasshoppers. Now all of these thin tortillas are crispy and tasty, but some prefer a thicker type of bread, more like a pita under their meat and vegetable toppings. You can make corn flour into sopes. But wait, let's get really creative. What if we roll the corn tortilla up so it looks like a flute and fry it? Yes, flautas. Some might call them taquitos. You fill the inside with chicken or beef and sprinkle cheese on it. Ahora, si tú tienes mucho tiempo libre, tú puedes despertar temprano y hacer un platillo especial llamado tamales. Tamales. These are pockets of soft, steamed corn flour filled with yummy chicken or beef. To make these, combine corn flour, pork, lard, water, and spices to make a dough. Then spread it out on wet corn husks, add fillings of meat, chicken, or vegetables, fold the corn husk in half and tie it with a string. Now place all of these little pockets of goodness into a pot and steam them. Oh, my mouth is watering. Each one of Mexico's 31 states, plus the capital, Mexico City, creates its own delicious foods. Let's bring the mic to the streets and ask our Mexican friends around town about which states they're from and which foods they love. Yo soy Lucy. In Spanish, yo soy means I am. So, yo soy Lucy means I am Lucy. My parents are from Puebla, Mexico. I consider myself Mexican and my favorite dish from there is tacos al pastor. Wow, sounds delicious. Now that we know that yo soy means I am in Spanish, listen to Lucy's mom. She's going to speak slowly so that we can try and understand her Spanish. Which words can you pick up? Hola, yo soy Mireya y vengo de Acatlán de Osorio, Puebla. Mi comida favorita es el mole con arroz y frijoles, con tortillas. Hola, me llamo Cristina, vivo en Chihuahua, soy mexicana. 
Me encanta comer taquitos con mucha salsa picante. That was our friend Christy from Chihuahua, and she really likes taquitos with lots of salsa picante. Soy Amelia y soy del estado de Puebla, México. Mi comida favorita son los tamales y las tlayudas. Hi, my name is Jesus. I am from Mexico. My favorite food is tacos dorados. I'm Ashley. I'm from Mexico. And my favorite food is tostadas. Hola, yo soy Paola. Yo me llamo Olivia. Yo me llamo Siena. Me amo means I'm called or I'm named. Nuestra mamá es de México, pero vivimos en Estados Unidos. Can you tell us about the bebido you like, which is a drink, and the comida you like? Comida is food. Mi favorita bebido es horchata. Mi favorita comida son tamales. Y mi favorita comida es mole poblano. Feliz 5 de mayo. Thank you. Feliz 5 de mayo. Now that we know a little more about Mexico and Spanish, let's head over to Mexico for an adventure with some of our favorite people. Grace, Josiah, and their entire group of friends from America stood speechless, watching a battle between French and Mexican soldiers unfold before their very eyes. They had traveled to Mexico to experience a holiday called Cinco de Mayo and had met a friendly girl named Ashley who gave tours with her family. Hi, my name is Ashley. Welcome to Mexico. She had said. My parents, Mr. and Mrs. Gonzalez, will show you around. The children had no idea that they would find themselves in the middle of a war. The French army had landed in ships on a Mexican beach and had encountered the city of Puebla while on their way to attack Mexico City. A small and kind of unprepared group of soldiers in Puebla fought valiantly, luring the French soldiers to climb up a hill to their fort. Man, the French army is huge. Look at the endless supply of guns and cannons, said Micah. Do the Mexicans even have any weapons? He asked, squinting his eyes and looking toward the top of the hill. There's no way the Mexicans can win against the world's best army. He pointed to the French soldiers in bright red and navy uniforms. They were attempting to ascend the hill, but a motley crew of Mexican soldiers, not well trained but full of spirit, bravely fought them back. The Mexicans used the small supply of tools, machetes, and guns they could find, and their determined eyes seemed to scream, We already fought to be free from Spain. We will never give up our country to you, you Frenchmen. The children felt paralyzed watching the fighting. I can't believe that we are here for this, Micah exclaimed. But another war? Mexico has been through so many wars. He was right. In the 1500s, the Spanish army had defeated the indigenous Aztec Empire through war and the spreading of diseases. They created a Spanish colony and controlled the area we know as Mexico until priest Miguel Hidalgo declared his country's independence from Spain in 1810. Fighting continued, however, and many were killed on both sides. When Mexico emerged as its own nation, the new country found itself in serious debt. One of the countries it owed money to was France. Was the French Emperor Napoleon III in the mood to just forget about his money? Not quite. Instead, he decided to take control of Mexico since it couldn't repay him. His powerful French army arrived in Mexico in 1861 and attacked the city of Puebla. 
This was the very battle that the children were watching with jaws dropped. I can't believe this! It looks like the Mexicans are winning. No one had expected the weak army of Puebla to win against the mighty French, but they surprisingly conquered them on May 5th, a day called Cinco de Mayo in Spanish. This is terrifying. Are those French guys actually hurt? Asked Claire, staring at the soldiers lying on the ground, who suddenly stood up and walked away laughing. Ashley explained. This is called a reenactment, when actors pretend to be real people from long ago. The actors were actually just pretending to fight the Battle of Puebla that happened over a hundred years ago. Phew! Glad to hear that. No wonder no one seems too worried. Look at that huge parade coming our way! Claire pointed as children, men, and women danced down the street in colorful outfits. A band played, and fireworks streaked across the sky as Mexican soldiers sang their national anthem. Someone began to cite a pretty intense poem by Mexican poet Guillermo Prieto called Invasion de los Franceses, Invasion of the French. Mexicanos, tomar el acero, ya rimbomba en la playa el cañón, odio eterno al francés altanero. Vengarse o morir con honor. Lo novil de ingominia horrorosa. The poet calls. Mexicans grab the steel. The sound of the cannons is already on the beach. And he talks about really not liking the French and getting revenge. Marching soldiers came next, followed by a band and more soldiers. Candy flew in the air and the children dove on the ground to grab it. This was more like the celebration that Grace and Josiah had envisioned when they planned this trip to Mexico for Cinco de Mayo, their dad's birthday. That afternoon, as the children walked through the town square of Puebla, called the Zócalo, their eyes drank in the beautiful artwork, such as Talavera pottery and wax dolls. Wow, these dolls look real. Look at their beautiful dresses, Grace said. I just want tacos. Josiah sighed, his stomach growling in response to the luring smell of fried tortillas and fresh toppings from a nearby restaurant. Of course, Micah and Levi immediately found Candy Street, called Calle de los Dulces in Spanish, and their parents actually allowed them to buy the sweets made of fruit, sweet potatoes, and pine nuts. They had exchanged their American dollars for Mexican pesos, and then exchanged those pesos for candy. So their pockets were never empty. They just had to be careful not to squish the candy when they sat down. Suddenly, Bella called. Hey, Micah, can I borrow five dollars? Hey, Bella, where did all your money go? You've been borrowing money from me since we got here. Yesterday was five dollars for those dolls, three dollars for candy, then there's tacos with chocolate sauce. I've given you most of the money I brought. You're in a lot of debt, sis. Debt? What does debt mean? It's when you owe someone lots of money. Remember how Mexico owed France all that money and then they attacked them? Never a good idea to owe someone. Are you saying you are going to attack me? No way. You're my sister. But I might have to take some of that candy you have in your pocket hidden there. Just remember not to spend any more money, especially when it's not yours. At this moment, the group stumbled into an outdoor workspace with a floor covered in sticky, gushy clay. A woman called them over to join her in preparing the clay for making pots. Niños, vengan aquí a ayudarme a hacer el barro. Miren, 
The children removed their sandals and joined her as she danced on the pile of wet clay, adding some reddish-brown dirt every once in a while. Ew, squishy, said Arabella. Gross, I'm getting out of here, Micah whispered. But try as he might, the clay was so slippery he could not get out of the clay pit. The woman laughed. She said it looks disgusting now, but they should wait to see what they could make out of it. She threw a lump of clay onto what looked like a plate. It was a potter's wheel. Suddenly, the plate began to spin around and around. As it did, the blob of clay spun too, and the woman's nimble fingers began to shape that lump of dirty-looking clay into a slender, smooth pot. The magical transformation took place so quickly the children could barely remember that it had been a gooey mess just moments before. Meaning. She drew their attention to shelves of finished clay pots that had already dried. She had painted them with bright blue, green, and red and orange flowers, coated them with a shiny gloss, and heated them in an oven so that the colors would stay bright forever. Then she told them that sometimes in life, what seems to be a mess can be made into a beautiful victory story. The children right away thought of the Battle of Cinco de Mayo. The potter smiled and then told them about how her life used to be very messy and difficult, but then God helped her to find beauty and to change, and she opened up this shop to bring beauty to others. The children began to discuss how they persevered through their own trials. Sometimes my life is hard because I'm the youngest in my family, and people compare me to the oldest siblings, but I decided never to give up and do my best no matter what people say. I was playing frisbee with my dad, but I kept on missing the catches and doing bad throws. And I felt like quitting, throwing the frisbee on the ground and stomping inside. But in my head, I thought, if I keep on doing this, I'll get better at it. And so I kept on doing it. And now I really like playing frisbee with my dad, and I'm glad I persevered. Lots of people have trials in life, but if they persevere through them, they will find the beauty at the end. This reminded Mr. Gonzalez of something. You know, there was once a little 12-year-old Mexican boy, originally from the Zapotec town of San Pablo Gelatao, whose life felt like terrible mess. He had no parents, no one to teach him to read and write, and was one of the indigenous people in Mexico looked down on by the upper class. But no one could have guessed that this boy would grow up to be a Mexican hero one day. Tomorrow, I will take you somewhere special to tell you his story. The following morning, by the time the sun had risen upon the fields of a rural farm, several hours away from Puebla, the children and Mr. Gonzalez wandered through a field where sheep milled about feeding. At this moment, a shepherd appeared holding a lamb in one arm. He spoke a language very different from English and Spanish. This shepherd is Zapotec. That means he is from indigenous people of Mexico. The Zapotec have lived in this area of Oaxaca for thousands of years. When Jesus walked on earth 2,000 years ago, they were here, on the other side of the world, constructing complicated and beautiful buildings developing their own symbols for writing. They were a powerful group that created the largest city in the land, called Monte Alban. However, when the Spanish army came to Central America in the 1500s, they fought and defeated the Zapotecs. 
the indigenous Zapotec people continued to live as part of the lower class and kept their own traditions and Zapotec languages. This is why you could not understand the shepherd he speaks only Zapotec, even though he lives in a Spanish-speaking country. A sheep started gnawing at Jack and Levi's pants. Hey, silly sheep. My clothes are edible. Go eat your own food. Mrs. Gonzalez, who had joined them, continued the story. What she was explaining is that if the children had been there 100 years before, they might have met Benito Juarez, a 12-year-old shepherd, as he brought his sheep over the hill. He lived with his uncle after his parents died, and in return, Benito cared for his uncle's sheep. Intelligent and curious, Benito was always observing the animals, birds, and plants around him, trying to learn all he could. He dreamed of studying one day in a school in the city, but in the meantime, he worked hard and bravely protected the sheep from danger. One day, however, a sheep escaped from his field. Benito ran after the fugitive sheep, but never could find him. Oh no, my uncle will be very angry with me. That sheep was worth a lot of money. His face flushed in fear. Suddenly, a plan hatched itself in Benito's active brain. Perhaps he was not meant to be a shepherd. Perhaps dealing with his uncle's wrath was not worth it. Could this be the time to change his life for the better? Benito ducked behind some shrubs as he formed his plan. His sister lived in the city in one of the huge, beautiful houses where she worked as a servant. She would help him. Benito walked 40 miles to find his sister in the city of Waxaca. Benito, she exclaimed in surprise when she saw him at the door. Her joy turned to fear when she wondered why he was there. You have to help me, he cried. Uncle is after me for losing his sheep, but it wasn't my fault. I can't go back to him. Many have said I have a mind to learn and that I should go to school. You yourself have said I should come to the city and study. Can I please stay with you? His sister wrapped her arms around her precious brother and vowed to find a place for him. Benito found work with Don Antonio Salanueva, a man who made books. It did not take long for a priest in the area to meet Benito and recognize his intelligence. He tutored Benito in a school for priests of the Catholic Church called Seminary. Benito had to face the challenge of learning to speak, read, and write in Spanish, a completely new language for him. But he put his mind to work and he did not give up even when his head hurt. He learned to read difficult books, and these books helped him to understand the problems that Mexicans faced. Although Benito graduated from seminary and could have been a priest, he chose to go to school to become a lawyer. He realized that perhaps he could make a difference for his people, the Zapotec, when he saw firsthand how the Spanish refused to give the indigenous people rights like owning land. Benito became a politician and lawyer who fought for the rights of the indigenous people. People noticed his honesty and skill, and the state elected him to be a federal judge. During this time, he also married Margarita Maza, a very young lady from a wealthy family. Benito became the governor of the state of Oaxaca and worked hard to open more schools, build roads, and get rid of people in government who were dishonest. One day, however, a group of politicians who did not agree with Benito took power in the country and forced him to flee. Mexicans were divided into two sides, the liberals and the conservatives. 
These sides both had armies which fought each other and almost destroyed Mexico. Finally, Mexicans elected the liberal Benito Juarez as their president in 1860, the first indigenous president of Mexico. What a momentous occasion! Benito Juarez was excited to fix the problems in his country and to help the farm workers, but he faced many problems. One of these problems was that Mexico owed lots of money. Do you remember the battle between the French and the Mexicans on Cinco de Mayo? This happened while Benito Juarez was president. Even though the Mexicans won that battle, the French attacked again and took over the government. They made an Austrian named Maximilian the emperor. And President Benito had to run for his life. He finally became the president again when the French left Mexico to deal with problems back in France. Benito accomplished many of his goals for Mexico, like getting rid of other rulers from other countries, limiting the jurisdiction of the Catholic Church, and creating a new constitution. Some Mexicans called him a dictator when he refused to allow anyone else to take his place as president. So he certainly did not make all the right choices or fix all of the problems. However, he is remembered as a beloved Mexican president who fought for its independence. And this is where all began with a little shepherd boy. Mr. Gonzalez smiled, taking out a picnic lunch of tacos al pastor. As the lamb nibbled Jonathan's lunch, he laughed, and shaking his head, he asked, why do we always end up in a field of sheep, no matter what country we go to? It seems like a lot of world changers got their start as shepherds, said Matthew. Must be good training for managing people, observed Peyton. Yes, they didn't start out with a job that felt special or important, but just like a little lump of clay that becomes a beautiful work of art, the challenges helped them develop the character and perseverance they needed to change the world. Have you ever heard the quote that says that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character hope? La tribulación produce paciencia, y la paciencia prueba, y la prueba esperanza. This quote tells us that even if we have to go through a difficult time, that circumstance will make us into a much better person, a person with good character who doesn't give up. Today, we heard the story behind Cinco de Mayo, which many people forget as they celebrate this holiday dancing to Mexican music and eating tacos. Mexico certainly went through a difficult time gaining independence. Let's celebrate Mexico today and learn the beauty that comes from perseverance. And now, I have a challenge for you. There was someone who lived at the same time as Benito Juarez. He also did not have much education as a child. He also worked outside when young. He also became a lawyer. And he also became a president. Who is he? If you can find the answer and be one of the first three to answer on the Brilliant Mornings Instagram, you will receive a prize. I can't wait to see what you come up with. This podcast was produced by Heidi Illion with intro and outro music by Matt Graycar. Very special thank you to our guest stars today and for your generosity in sharing your culture with us. First and foremost, Mr. Jesus Gonzalez, Mrs. Amelia Gonzalez, and Ashley Gonzalez. In addition, thank you special stars Grace and Josiah and happy birthday to your dad. Thank you to Micah and Bella for your excellent work. Also, thank you to Claire and Levi and Jack to Lucy, Medea, and Junior, to my friend Christy from Mexico, 
to Angie for always helping me learn Spanish, and to Angie's father, Mr. Cardenas, for his amazing job with the poetry reading. Thank you to Livia, Siena, and Paola, and to Matthew. Now let's go enjoy some Mexican food and...